You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church, or service times, or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. Good morning everyone out there listening. It's great to be with you, even if we can't be together physically. Last week we began our new series, Who is Jesus and Why Should I Care? And Jessica took us to a much greater understanding, according to the Bible, which we believe wholeheartedly, that this Jesus we talk about all the time is the beginning, the middle and the end of all stories. And to do that, she took us right through the Old Testament and she showed us how everything since the beginning of time was God pointing us to his son, Jesus Christ, coming to earth with the sole purpose of gaining us relationship with God. And he came to die for us, but also to rise again. And she showed us Mary, Mary who was thrilled to be chosen to be the vessel to carry God's son. And to Zachariah showing us who Jesus really is and what a difference he can make to people's lives. And today I'm going to be staying in Luke's Gospel and I want to show you three encounters people had while Jesus was on earth to try and help us see Jesus and the plan of God being worked out for us. So let's look today at Jesus the healer. You know, while he was on earth, Jesus not only spoke about the love of God, but he showed that love by healing people from every type of sickness. He was God's son. He was here for a short time. He had just three years of ministry. And when he did something, it had big impact. So let's go to Luke's gospel now. And I want to highlight three different healings, three miracles Jesus performed. And these are found in chapters four and five. Of course, there are more. But these three set out three different times when we see Jesus heal people who came to him or who were brought to him. Let me read to you the first healing I want to speak about. And it's in Luke chapter four, near the end of the chapter at verse 31. And it says, Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath began to teach the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his message had authority. In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Ha! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What is this teaching? With authority and power he gives orders to evil spirits and they come out? And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. So this was Jesus living in Capernaum at the time. In fact, when you visit the ancient town of Capernaum today, you enter by gates clearly marked the town of Jesus. And every Shabbat, every Sabbath, Jesus went out to teach in the synagogue and people flocked to hear him because they loved what he had to say. He made God easy to understand. He made God sound real and personal and not some Father Christmas in the sky. 
and yet he was never ever patronising of them in any way. Something all preachers should try to emulate. Let me try this morning with the help of Michael Wilcox's words as he looks at, some, at what some say about this story because some will argue that this demon was more likely to be an epileptic fit but there just wasn't enough medical know-how in the first century. I'm not sure what difference that makes to the actual healing but I have to tell you I have seen a good number of children and adults have epileptic fits. I had an uncle who throughout his life had seizures regularly. And at one point, I had six children who were epileptic in my primary school, to the point that I was asked to go to the Scottish Parliament to speak to a small number of MSPs who were looking into the condition. And that led to me speaking in a BBC programme that was looking at the impact of having children with many different medical conditions in schools. And I'm telling you that so that you know I am no expert but I do have a lot of experience of seeing people have seizures. And I have to tell you, I have never heard any of them accuse anyone of being the Holy One of God in the way that this happened. Luke goes on in Luke 4 verses 40 and 41 to talk about diseases and demons too. So it strikes me that the people were a bit more sophisticated than some give them credit for. In many ways, it doesn't really matter, disease or demon. Jesus came to set people free. And we find him here, he rebuked the demon and it had no choice but to leave the man and he was completely healed. It seems to be that it was a bit like a, a, a child in a paddy who, knowing he can't win, throws the toys down on the floor before storming off. And, and the demon does that. He throws the man down, but he leaves without hurting him. Can you just imagine this man's rejoicing because instantly he's healed and he's freed from all that had plagued him for who knows how long. We don't hear in this scripture about how the man reacted. We, we do in a lot of scriptures, a lot of healings, but although we don't hear anything about it, we can imagine. I suppose the next question we want to ask is, if then, why not now? We don't see these kind of healings too often, do we? Although we do see healings. Well, this is where I want to use Michael Wilcox's words because he says something that really resonates with me as I think about why should I care about this Jesus? And it's this. He says, The prayer of faith cannot fail to bring about a result, but the faith in which such prayer is prayed must be not faith that Jesus will heal in a particular way that we want, but faith in Jesus the healer who will choose his own timing and his own method. That's the bit we sometimes struggle with because of our own preconceived ideas about what healing actually is. And he goes on to say, Then even today his word of power in this respect will amaze onlookers, as in verse 36 of Luke 4. What is this teaching? With authority and power, he gives orders for evil spirits and they come out. And also, it will bring others to seek him. In verse 40, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness and laying hands on each one, he healed them. We pray this will happen for you today. Yes, that you will be free from whatever ails your body, but also 
that you will recognise the Son of God came to set you free from every kind of load that you carry. The second miracle is in the next chapter. Let me read it for you. It's Luke chapter 5 and it starts at verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So now we have a man with leprosy and we know that in those days to have leprosy was to have to endure a disease which ate away at flesh and there was obviously absolutely no cure. It was a skin disease and it was highly infectious. So anyone who had leprosy had to separate themselves from loved ones and society. They lost their health, but they lost so much more too. They lost family, friends, livelihoods, homes. No one was allowed to associate with them. They were not allowed inside towns or villages. And it wasn't that they went to hospital and were cared for. They just had to leave. So that what we have read is very interesting because this miracle happened while Jesus was actually in a town. And we see this leper come and fall before him with his face to the ground. Lepers weren't allowed into the towns. Lepers weren't allowed to approach people. But Jesus allowed this man to come to him with his need. I want to tell you, my experience of Jesus is exactly what happens here. Jesus not only speaks to him, but he reaches out and touches him. Our Lord Jesus is approachable, even by people who are rejected by others. Touching the man meant Jesus became defiled by the disease, but that didn't stop him. Instead of the touch defiling Jesus, it delivered the leper from his disease. So imagine how, with the tingling of his revitalised flesh, this man felt a a thrill of emotions as Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. This was literally a renewed contract with his fellow man, perhaps the first for many years. And it signalled a coming reunion with family and friends. It signalled a reintegration into the society the disease had cut him off from. In essence, it would bring about a mending of all those broken relationships. Wow! Is this not amazing? At first appearance, Jesus brought physical healing to a man with a dreadful contagious skin disease. Yes, that's a miracle in itself. But look further into it and we have broken relationships healed as well. I want to tell you, this is our Jesus. He has not changed. He's still in the business of mending broken relationships. Look around you. It doesn't take long to see the need is as strong today. Look at our tormented world. We see nation rising against nation. We see kingdom against kingdom. We see invasions and civil war rife across our world. 
look closer to home and there, there are antagonisms and divisions all down the scale between colours, creeds, classes, between management and employees, between old and young, between husband and wife, between parents and children. I know you could add to this list without any problem. It's visible. It's tangible. And I know Jesus came to bring healing for broken relationships. Do you know, one of the key words of the gospel is reconciliation. As we are reconciled to God, who are reconciled to each other. What do I care? What colour you are? What class you were born into? What culture you were raised in? How you were educated? Whether you're one thing or another? I know if God is for me and has reconciled me to Father God, I know it's a promise for you too. He changes our thought patterns to be more like his, and he's for everyone. Now, as I was thinking about this, I know that some of you listening today may say it's Christians who have put you off Christ. When you see the way some Christians behave, you don't want to be one. And I find that is so, so sad. But you know, a church whose people are no longer lepers to one another, but united in fellowship and love is the most powerful testimony of the power of a living God. Yes, we still get it wrong, but there's a fundamental shift in how we see people when we have been with Jesus. Riverview, let's make sure we always live as vessels full of the Holy Spirit. Never allow anything but his love to be seen by those who as yet don't know him. Nothing will make people take a second look at who Jesus really is like real love for people. But people who don't know him don't allow this to be an excuse for you not looking to Christ. On judgment day, and that's coming, that just won't hold up. So Jesus heals this man and then tells him not to tell anyone, but to go straight to the priest and to offer the sacrifices necessary according to the Jewish law. Well, that worked, didn't it? Remember, this man has been given his life back. He defied the law by even approaching Jesus, but it has paid off. He's been completely healed. He's got new, beautiful flesh to prove it. He just can't keep quiet about it, could you? And the result was that news about Jesus spread far and wide and people flocked to hear him. It was good news. God was interested in ordinary people. He could be a personal God for them. And it is still Good news. God wants to know us, to live in us, to encourage us, to, to, to love us and to use us to share, share his good news with others. Those who wonder if he's still willing to do this for people, listen. James 2 and 4, talking of God our Saviour, who wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Or 2 Peter 3 and 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Jesus came to show us the Father, and he still calls us to follow him. What's special about Jesus? He's the Son of God. Why should you care? Well, he came to earth to pay for your sins. 
the things that you couldn't do anything about, the gulf between you and God. God is absolutely perfect and he hates sin. He can't look at it. And one day we will have to answer for all the wrong we've done. Jesus knew we couldn't do that. So Jesus said he would come and pay the price for every one of us. One important thing I want to point out to all of us who know him is the incredible importance Jesus put on prayer times. Luke says he often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Now this is the son of God. If prayer times are important to him, if he needs to spend time in the powerhouse with his father, then we need to value these times even more so. Selwyn Hughes said, there are many obstacles to prayer and one of them is the difficulty of finding time. We can all relate to that. A hundred and one other things crowded into Jesus' life demanding time and attention, but nothing, nothing ever got past him before he prayed. The result was when the crowds did reach him, he had something to give them. The power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. We too will have something to give if we first make time to pray. Oh, dear brothers and sisters, we really need to take heed of that and spend time with God in prayer. I'm speaking to myself as much as to anyone else. It's so, so important. So come with me to the third healing, the last one I want to speak to you about. And again, it's in chapter five of Luke. And this time it's not someone coming to Jesus on his own, but this is friends bringing this man. And I'm going to read you verses 17 to 26. One day as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law, who had come from every village in Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for Jesus to heal the sick. Some men carrying uh, came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Now the Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus knew what they were thinking and he asked, why do you, are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, get up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralysed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he was lying on, and went home praising God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. Was this just another healing? No, it was so much more. We see Jesus here penetrating much deeper than just this paralysed man's disability. We're practically at the core of the problem now. And this story is here for a very particular purpose. Another healing was what they expected. And in due course, that's what they got. But though the minds and bodies of people, their daily life and their human relationships are all important in the eyes of Jesus, 
the fact remains that salvation consists primarily in the forgiveness of sins to bring us back into right relationship with Father God. Above all else, I have to be right with God. There's an immense accumulation of guilt before God, which my proud self-centeredness has piled up over the years. How can that possibly be dealt with? With whatever more obvious paralysis I may come to Jesus, this is the real deep need which his eye perceives and to which his power, uh, word of power is addressed. And when he speaks, it is dealt with finally, forever, in his words. Your sins are forgiven. And then to show the authorities of the days his right and, and power to say these words, because only God has the right to forgive sins, he heals the man. You know, this was the message that God had heralded before Jesus began his ministry. And the same message his disciples would be later sent out to proclaim. It hasn't changed from Genesis until this present day. Sin had got in the way of relationship between God and man. Adam and Eve got it so wrong and every generation since has tried to go their own way. But God still wants to have relationship. And we see it pointed out all through the Old Testament waiting on the right time for the Saviour, the Son of God, to come to make the ultimate sacrifice and bring us back into a right relationship with God. It is finished, Jesus said from the cross as he died. Who is this Jesus? He's the Son of God dying, paying for your sins to bring you back to relationship with God. Why should you care? You're going to have to face God one day. There's no avoiding that. He's going to look at me and see Jesus, not because I'm better than anyone else, but because he is. And I acknowledge that. He's forgiven me. He's healed my innermost thoughts and feelings and everything that was standing between my God and me. When we think of healing, we mostly think of physical healing. When someone you love has a life-threatening illness, your natural response is to want that disease gone and to have your loved one free from pain, from the debilitating pressure on the body and the worry that such illnesses bring. You know, together as a church family, we're praying for a child just now and there is nothing we want to hear more than that the cancer is gone. Well, I still believe God can do that outright as a direct miracle or he can use physician skills to accomplish it. But I know he doesn't always do that. Why? I wish I had the answer to that. I can tell you that John Wesley, I believe, was right when he said, God does nothing on earth save an answer to believing prayer. We saw Jesus understand the need for spending as much time in prayer as he could. He knows how much prayer is needed. God isn't a genie in a bottle to be brought out when there's a great need and return to the bottle until the next time it's rubbed to produce power. When people say, where is God in all this? He could well be exactly where they left him. If they've never thought of him, how can they expect him to do their bidding when they feel they need him? But wait a minute, that sounds a little bit like, well, if you're a Christian who loves and serves God, he will always say yes. Well, there'd be no problem winning people for him if that was the case, would there? 
As Christians, we go through as many issues as anyone else. I've prayed for people and they haven't been healed as I wanted. I lost a mum and a dad in my early in my late teens and my early twenties. I lost a brother in 2015 and I was praying so hard for him to be healed. But the thing I remember knowing implicitly when he died was that he was with the saviour he had loved from his childhood. And given the choice, I knew he wouldn't want to come back to earth because he's with Jesus. I know I'll see them all again because I know they are with Jesus and that's a huge comfort in their loss. And that's the real healing for each of them. I also know that there are many other ways of healing and sometimes he has to do something in our soul and our spirit and even in our mind and he often does that through difficult times when we call out to him for answers and then he draws so close and brings a peace that is ununderstandable, a closeness and a strength that defies belief. Healing isn't a, a, an easy subject for us but you know the best healing is healing for eternity because that's for a very long time. You and I know this life does not go on forever for any of us and would be seriously wanted to, the state that this world's in. But knowing Jesus has forgiven us and is with us, even as we pass through the veil of death, is knowing he's taking us on to eternal life, to a perfect place with perfect people forever, surrounded completely by the love of God and seeing him every day face to face for eternity. And you know what? That is the mightiest, the best healing of all. Who is this Jesus? He's the Son of God, come to pay the price for sin in our lives, to set us free and to bring us eternal life. Why should I care? Because eternity is for a very long time. You want to make sure you're in the right place. I pray we'll all make the right decision. And if you don't know him today, I pray that God will draw so close to you that you can't possibly miss him. And may you see him as he really is, because then you'll want to be his too. Amen. May God bless you.